everyone, and welcome to Game Studies Review. I'm here with my bud, my friend Ola, Cody Reimer, uh, and we are talking. Hello. About, hello, we are talking about an article tonight by Sabina Herrer called "We Are the Champions?" Question uh, mark. So we are the champions, I guess is how you would we, say that. We are the champions. Are the champions performing whiteness in Ascension: Dawn of Champions. This was published in Simulation and Gaming in 2021. And this is our first Simulation and Gaming article, right? Branching out a little bit. So as you know, the drill, we try to review an academic article in game studies, 15 minutes or less. So you don't have to. Cody, how's it going? Uh, It's going as well as anybody has any right to expect. (sighs) And maybe even even better. Okay. I'm I'm doing pretty well. That's cryptic. That's cryptic. Uh, so uh, I'm going to start off talking about the article today. So the premise in this article, essentially what she's doing is looking at uh, deck building games with uh, some strategies and terms that we use typically to uh, do culture studies in virtual games. And she's... Well, not not all deck builders. One specific one, right? One the specific. Ascension dawn of champions but she wants that that, she wants it to extend out to tabletop games right like our methodology and our terms yeah so um she that's what she has got going on here that's the uh that's the end game that's the win condition and she has a starting premise which is that white ideology permeates all part of games players etc and creates a baseline where all white people are privileged for example the default heroes are white she's looking at that and that games allow white players to adopt blackface or yellow face uh it's heavily ground on nakamura's concept of identity tourism and she's extending that out and, and cyber cyber type what is the cyber word? types cyber types yeah uh, and extending another that nakamura out. kind of concept in fact she uses concept from gray from taylor from shaw i'll yep. get into it later but um all the all the big hitters and looking at them in we in ascension dawn of champions so i'm just gonna call, can i just call it ascensions just ascensions a doc a doc thank you a doc and that's what we got going on that's what she's doing in her article yeah this this was one that alex picked uh mm-hmm. and uh, sabina uses close reading uh from literary and cultural studies um and she does this to quote uh work within a privilege of partial perspective um end quote as an outsider uh which kind of seemed to suggest that this isn't the kind of game that she normally plays or would normally find fun she kind of straight up says that right like this does she says it in the most academic way possible like this doesn't yeah. my pleasure sensory blah 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 something like that but she basically is like i don't like the game <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's like I, I wouldn't play this if it weren't for research. <laughs> yeah. Which uh, puts and, her in it and she says that puts me in a like kind of a unique position yeah. to do this, which it does. Yeah. Uh, link between the design of gameplay performances and what it might mean for an assumedly white player body. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's relying on uh, several concepts from Nakamura, cyber types, and identity tourism to ultimately argue that deck building games are quote potential imperial pedagogical zones, end quote, and that they, quote, model identity formation through optimal survival strategies, end quote. So uh, she's arguing that deck building games um, 
you know, reinforce this kind of identity formation through their mechanics, which is kind of interesting to me. So um, she is suggesting, quote, that acknowledging cyber typical component in deck building games provides a critical perspective on tabletop gaming, since it emphasizes how societal structures are perpetuated through seemingly apolitical strategic choices and flavor gameplay lore, end quote. And this is kind of um, something that I hadn't seen before done in quite this fashion. And so I thought that that was um, a fairly um, novel contribution. So I like that. And she also suggests, uh, quote, that video game designers have to make a conscious effort to break the conventions if they wish to contest the surreptitious white habits in deck building games, uh, end quote. And I agree. I think I pulled that not because it's something we haven't heard before, but because it's a pretty clear kind of succinct uh, through line for what she wants to see happen um, and what she thinks this is contributing to the larger conversation of video game developers, hey, you need to be paying attention to these things that others have called out, even and especially in deck builders, for example. Mm -hmm. um, but th there are some some issues, some gaps. Alex, you want to talk to us about some of the questions you had? Yeah, I will talk about that, Cody. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I know. Uh, so I thought that there, well, I respect the project overall, and I ran across this in my games and culture class, um, actually being retitled race and identity in games. And we rely heavily on everyone she's citing in my what I loved section. Like she is deep diving into this scholarship and does it very well. So um, yes, kudos, kudos to that part of this. So I have a lot of respect for this. Um, but I thought that some of the arguments fell short. They fell short with examples. They didn't come full circle. There was a lot of um, sort of suggestions at at arguments of things, but not, it just, it like I said, it, it just didn't come full circle in a lot of the examples she was giving. For example, um, the, for example, see, I'm going to follow this up, the core section, which mm -hmm. is talking about the white male uh, protagonist, or as she puts it, white presenting uh, protagonist, because in the picture she shows, you can't really tell race from it. Well, she, she, um, yeah, it looks almost like a kind of Lord of the Rings esque dwarf riding. Most of the image is dominated by a like mechanical, mechanical beast beast. Um, but she pointed to the, the texture of the hair, his beard hair. Well, so beard hair and facial structures, she says, right. Um, I thought that was weak and the entire section has very few citations in it. I thought it was shaky and it did not round out the point for me. Um, and she's her conclusion, which I think is the only conclusion you could make if you have the position she has, is that he represents a colorblind representation of white hegemony, white uh, ideology, um, because he's only kind of vaguely seen as white. Um, yeah, that I was thought, the weakest of the kind of four sections. Yeah, I, I thought I that was weak, and it didn't it didn't tumble her. If you if you go back to the quote that Cody read, it didn't it didn't you know didn't make that tumble. But you know, I I think I think that was could have been could have been more. The um, other so out. there's four heroes um, in the expansion for for Ascension that she's looking at Adoc, yeah. and uh, the other three I agree are all much stronger. Um, and they're really um, pretty well sourced and fair and accurate kinds of uh, close readings yeah. of not only just like the art, but how the mechanics reinforce 
That's right. Um, that identity formation. And I, I really actually kind of liked how she brings in um, Judith Butler's I you know, concept of performativity and how the repeated actions of playing a deck builder like this performs the identity through the mechanics in ways that really complicate um, how the uh, the characters are being portrayed. And I thought that was a really neat uh, read and kind of application. So I, I liked that a, a fair bit. And I really liked Nakamura's work. So I liked how she brought in identity tourism uh, and cyber types as well. I like to see those used. Um, yeah, yep. I thought that was so. strong. And that connection to um, the mechanics of it is is the basis of her argument and one that I would have liked to have seen more forefronted than the um, cultural studies angle. And I get she's a cultural studies scholar. So like that's the angle she's going to take. But the meat of the argument to me was that mechanics reinforce stereotypes and and we need to break away from those conventions, game designers. That to me was like the one-two punch that you didn't get until the end. So. Yeah, I, th I think... Um... There were some some there was follow through that was lacking um, mm. in a little bit. Like I would have liked to see a lot clearer explanation of um, where to go from here. Like clearer recommendations for devs and designers beyond just "Hey, don't do this." Like well, even if it's even if it's you know um, the the biggest ones were like make an effort not to do this, she says, and mm -hmm. maybe swap roles around to defy expectations and stereotypes. But that just seems kind of insufficient and underwhelming. Like mm -hmm. I want a, a forceful, explicit admonishment, but also like clear direction to hire narrative writers and designers that have an eye toward a design philosophy that impacts these choices and is sensitive to these choices. I want advocacy for hiring sensitivity reviewers. I want more than just like a nod to Soraya Murray's work. I wanted yeah. like, it felt like there needed to be a, a, you know, kind of clearer, you know, way past um, these issues because it felt very much aside from the the mechanic uh, mechanics as a complement to the reading like yeah we see this stuff all the time we see what you're pointing to in all games why why this game you don't you didn't even like this game right <laughs> which is not like not a critique that she shouldn't have done this you know picked this game to critique it's obviously needs it but like what are we doing with this game like where do we go? What are we doing? Mm -hmm. I, I wanted like, a, it was such a good read. And then we got to the end and I felt the wind kind of left this, my sails a little bit. Well, so I think what you're pointing to is this evolution in game culture, uh, in cultural studies in games where we see like the 2000s really focusing on representation, the 90s focusing on representation and you know, getting more people of color, more women on the screen. And then you see a shift towards, well, who's making the games? Let's get more representation behind the screens. And now we're in this place where we're studying populations of players and designers for like rich, interesting, like bodies of work, you know, like studying, you know, hey, Gray talked about Heronaw in the, in the intro I was just reading and studying that game is this amazing piece of cultural studies. And this to me felt like a step backwards. It'd be like, yeah, like you said, like we, we we're doing this, we've done this, like we're, let, let's, you know, we've kind of moved on from this 
type of stuff. So I mean, I don't know, maybe that's what you're thinking. And the other thing, um, she's, and this is like kind of, um, kind of eg- exemplifying some of the issues I have. Like she relies on a 2003 Taylor citation where she talks about how Taylor's talking about how players Im- embody are supposed to embody the characters they're playing, but she's talking about muds which is very different than a deck builder. Like, I don't know when I've played magic, I'm not embodying my character. And maybe that's just me because I don't love a lot of role-playing games, but there's that type of thing where these assumptions are made and a citation to something that's like adjacent. But because this is exploratory work, that to me is where the bulk of the arguments should be. And if she really wants to, if the point of her article is to say, let's use this stuff in games, video games and apply it to tabletop then the work there needs to be done in in smoothing out those bumps that to me were like well kind of like that kind of apply oh this kind of applies so so that to me was another gap i think she's talking so she's trying to make the connection from tabletop to to video games because there's an app for the game that is playable but i i would also be wary of drawing the distinction you know between like magic the gathering and a doc um in light of the citation for T.L. Taylor's work on MUDs and identity um, because ADOC is explicitly about like embodying that champion through the mechanics. Like you work hard to be able to put the champion in your deck and then you work hard to use that champion mm-hmm. sort of mechanics mm-hmm. to, you know, formulate your winning strategy, which means as the Asian, you know, character, you're self erasing, right? As the black character, you're, you know, uh, kind of uh, being grotesque and tentacly and Cthulhu-esque, right? As, and so Mm -hmm. in these, in these ways, it's not like you are an ambiguous, you know, nameless planeswalker in Magic the Gathering, you know, in this case, you are this, you know, woman druidess character who is, you know, white peaceful. and peaceful and feminine and pacifist Eowyn. and yeah, Aowen. So no, not Aowen. Galadriel was the. Was oh the yeah, yeah, yeah. Galadriel. That's right. That's so right. Uh, That's you know, right. I for those reasons, I I think I would push back against that. But I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so what I loved, uh, maybe I'm dumb, but I did not realize close reading was a methodology. I freaking love it. I want to play games and use close reading as a methodology. I didn't know that was a thing. Where have I been? Wake up, Lane. Uh, <laughs> And uh, deep into scholarship, uh, bam, 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 citations everywhere. All the all the big folks. She and I looked her up on YouTube. I watched some of her talks and looked at her uh, work in the past. Her stuff on bereavement, like, like, sh- like this is no joke here. Which made me be very careful with my anything I assigned as a gap, <laughs> because like you clearly are better at this than me. So I'm gonna approach with caution. Not that you can't. Uh, as Miguel Sickhart found out that not that you can't be amazing and also have a gap in your article. Ah. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. Right? Like, what did you uh, love? Ever. Um, I, I really liked the, um, close reading, uh, as far as like showing how it's easy, it's easy to look at art and be like, Oh, look at these portrayals. Right. It's easy to read lore and go, oh, look at look at this story. This is so this got problems. But then to fold in the mechanics and show how the mechanics are this additional layer that complicates the portrayals beyond just 
oh yeah, the the Picture kind of the artist and the the narrative writing is kind of trash. It's also like no, the design is really really like reinforcing these in awful ways too. I liked that quite a lot. Uh, I think that's the biggest kind of. Uh, benefit of the article. And if folks are looking for how to pay attention to um, or how to do that kind of critique in a um, useful way, I would check out this article. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and any hmms that you didn't uh, get into yet? No, I think mostly I just wanted a kind of clearer explanation of what the potential imperial pedagogical zones were that this, you know, is kind of. Uh, creating problems in and for, and I wanted a stronger follow through on like, so what do we do with this? But um, it's, it's there. I just, uh, it felt like, you know, I wanted it to be a little bit stronger. Yeah. Yep. I agree with that. Um, and yeah, I kind of talked about some of the stuff I felt in my, in my look at the gaps, looking at this as a call for designers to come up with some new mechanics and new ways of putting together mechanics and characters as opposed to the cultural critiques that lacked some fuel for me, like I talked about with core. Um, and yeah. So what's your bottom line, Alex, you, you picked the article. What's your bottom line, uh, bottom line. It, I think, I think this is worth the read for the argument about putting about how we're applying these things, uh, these things that we've used in game studies and relied on for a long time in a deck building circumstance. Um, it is worth, it is worth a look for that because I think as tabletop games continue to grow and grow and grow at a faster pace than video games, things like this are going to happen more and more often. And as game scholars, we need to be ready to come up with some solutions. So maybe you can take Sabina's article here and do a response with a bunch of ways for very clear ways for designers to sidestep these problems. Yeah. Sounds like a good bottom line. Boom. All right. Thank you for listening. Email us with uh, articles that you'd like us to review and I don't know, just whatever, make it through the semester, right? Like make it to spring break, <laughs> whatever. I'm so tired. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Bye everybody. Bye.